This is Transistor.fm. Though I will say, because of where we're at with the product right now, there's actually no way to cancel your account. So That's our secret sauce. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2018. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I'm a product and marketing guy. We want you to follow along as we launch Transistor.fm. So, John, how's it going today? It's March 16th, 2018. What have you been up to? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, things are going good. I, uh, I'm working at home today, and I realized that I didn't have a good microphone. And I was walking around this morning doing some errands. And I had never tried out Amazon Prime now, so I turned on my phone and looked up, just searched for microphones um, and found one of these little blue mics, or made by blue, it's actually black, um, <laughs> and ordered one to my house, and it was there in an hour, and I was I was hoping it would be here by the time for a call, and it turns out it was. It was kind of amazing. Yeah. It came in like a paper bag, like a lunch what? bag. It was just like some random guy who delivered it and called me. It was great. You're kidding it was like me. Like five bucks extra to ship it. Okay. No. So no, it's great. Explain this to me as someone <laughs> who lives in the in the remote mountains and forests. Yeah. There's something called Amazon Prime now, and so you're like, yeah. And you're like, crap. I need a microphone. Yeah, they don't have they don't have everything. They have like food and some other products, like a random subset of products. I don't know how they choose it, but there's like a, a warehouse facility in the city not too far from here and you can actually it shows it where where it's at on a map on your phone like uber it's an uber it's like a, i think they hire like personal drivers who just deliver it for you they they like it's part of that gig economy and they just pick it up and deliver it around the city um people have used it at the office office before but i've never have and i was like honestly really surprised <laughs> great that's crazy <laughs> i don't even have to leave my house oh my gosh that's anything. like one of those things where you know, you're like running around and you're like, okay, I got to do this, do this. Oh crap. I got to do this interview. And for me, I'd be like, okay, what store Yeah. in. Yeah. I was like Radio Shack. <laughs> it's not even open anymore. How so, come you thought of Radio Shack? There's nowhere I can go. You thought of Radio Shack first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. Hasn't Radio Shack been closed for a long time? More than just a love that association you're like okay i need a microphone where do i go radio shack yeah <laughs> i also need a time machine to travel back to 2008 that's so funny well that's incredible yeah so it so it's in i think it's in a lot of big cities um obviously they need like a concentration of people for it to work but yeah it's pretty oh, great that is that is crazy awesome well that you've got a mic at home now. How are you doing today? Yeah, I have a mic at home. I'm doing well. I'm I'm pumped up. I was just telling you in Slack. I I just got off this call with Peldy and Fran from Balsamic, and uh, I they actually said I recorded the conversation, but 
and they said I could use I could use it in podcasts. So we might play a snippet right here. Yeah, exactly what I want to do. I want to do a user research interview for you. I want to be your potential customer. Awesome. So, uh, so I'll start talking. Okay. It was a customer development call, and I was, you know, it's one of those things. Like I think everybody myself included, even as an extroverted person, nobody wants to get on the phone and and listen to people or talk to people. But it is every time I do it, it's just so helpful. And so this was, um, I've done a few of these calls now. I did one with Mike Vardy last week. And just getting on the phone with people, in this case, Slack, and hearing you know, asking them questions like, okay, so if you're going to do a podcast, what would be your obstacles? What would you use it for? Uh, do you even want a podcast? You know, all of those kinds of things. What else are you doing for, you know, that's like this? Like, are you doing video or blogging or whatever? And just that sit across from real human beings and, uh, you know, be able to hear what they have to say, hear what their life is like, hear what their companies are like. It's so helpful. And you really don't get that sense from anything else. That's cool. I've talked to uh, Alex Cox, who's in the office. Um, she's part of Cards Against Humanity. And she's on a couple of pretty popular podcasts. But I was just asking her more of uh, more of some questions about the product itself and like what she would be looking for for analytics and what features are missing from other ones and stuff like that. And it's just, it's so much more enlightening to, to do that in person or, or over the phone or video than, than like a Slack channel or anything. Yeah. You, you get a sense of their, like you can watch their body language and the intonation of their voice. So I shared with you this clip from Mike where he got really excited when I, I mentioned this one thing, like you see his face kind of light up. And you just don't get that sense over email. Like there's no way for them to say, there's no way for you to notice it, right? And I'm sure it's the same with you when you were talking to Alex. You know, what what's most important to you? What's really a struggle? That stuff kind of bubbles to the top and you get a sense right away. It's really rich. Definitely. Cool. Well, actually, this would be a good time for us to uh, maybe just update folks what's been happening uh, since the last time we released an episode, um, what have we been doing? What have we, what have we been doing, John? <laughs> what have we been doing? Uh, a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but we, we opened up early access to a handful of people. Um, we've been inviting people by email, um, to test out various plans we have, uh, with some, with some nice discounts <laughs> and currently have about 15 shows on the platform. Yeah. I'm not sure if all of them have episodes yet, but um, I think most of them do. Yep. Um, can we tell folks? Yeah. Can we tell folks how? Because we've, it's been going for about four months. Yeah. Uh, Transistor's been able to host podcasts for about four months. Can we tell people how many downloads we've done so far? Yeah. Yeah. Let me look. Uh, it's about 2.3 million already. Wow. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> that just blows my mind because there's like, you know, a handful yeah. of people using it. There's, you know, all these early access customers are creating shows. And that's just so many downloads yeah. already. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of mind boggling. Yeah. And like really, yeah, it is a lot of great feedback from everyone who's using it. Um, 
a lot of good feature requests and like pointing out bugs. Yeah. Um, that we've, you know, try to fix or just like something's weird. Should we tell people about, we had, we had our first hiccup, our first infrastructure hiccup. Remember on Twitter, they, they were saying something was happening. I can't even remember. Oh yeah. It was, uh, our SSL certificate on our CDN was like too strict <laughs> and it didn't work with Android seven. <laughs> like it wouldn't allow people to download episodes on Android seven. Which is really interesting. Random. Like, I don't know how old Android 7 is or what, what number they're at now, but that was the thing. So we had to kind of loosen up the, the type of security that SSL yeah. uses to allow it to be used on other it was platforms. It such a weird one because folks were contacting, because I, I wake up later than you because I'm uh, West Coast. And so the first thing I check is Slack and I'm in this one Slack group and someone had DM'd me, one of the early access people and said, Hey, I can't listen to, um, Oh no, it was someone who had listened to my show. I can't listen to this, this show actually on pocket casts. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, it was pocket cast for yeah. Android. I was like, wow. And, and they were, they were aware of it actually. And like, they were the ones that kind of pointed us in the right wow. direction. That might play into our topic today. We're going to be talking about fears later on. Uh, what else? More news. We've got, I mean, I think one thing is we've, we have a bunch of people in our trial funnel. So it's a, it's a 14 day trial that we're offering right now. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. 14 days. So, uh, so folks sign up with their credit card and then they, they have 14 days to try it. And our first person that signed up, um, is there? We'll see if they convert to a paying account on April sixth, basically. Okay. Yeah. And so that's when we'll start getting a sense of you know are people willing to pay for this? What obstacles? So one obstacle for sure is I'm guessing if they don't have a show already published by the time their trial expires, they're going to be much less likely to pay. And so. We're starting yeah. to figure out, I think, you know, what indicators, uh, what are the positive indicators that someone will pay and what are some of the indicators that someone might not convert to a paid account, right? Yeah, we should, we, yeah, we should definitely follow up with those people and if they don't choose to stay. Um, mm -hmm. I, I will say, because of where we're at with the product right now, there's actually no way to cancel your account. <laughs> so... <laughs> Not and that's not really a feature. That's our secret so sauce. So much as we just haven't built that part of it yet. <laughs> um, well, this is what people tune in for. They want to know. Uh, that's what I like about this yeah. show. Actually, I've I've had a lot of good feedback from people that are building their own product, and we're going to try to be as transparent as we can about you know the real stuff that we're dealing with. Uh, I think one of the nice things about us doing this show weekly is we'll just be able to you know, remember, okay, what happened this past week? Oh yeah, we had that trouble with that SSL thing. And, you yeah. know, um, we've got one more bit of news, but uh, you, you messaged me that XOXO is back. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I saw this, I, I think a friend emailed me or messaged me or something. Um, so XOXO for the people listening is the festival in Portland that, that Justin and I met at um, four years yeah. ago three years ago. Um, and you know, they, they always sort of say that this year is going to be the last year or whatever. And in 2016, they did say this was going to be the last one, uh, ever. 
possibly. Um, and they took a year off and now they're back. So in 2018, this year in September, they're going to do it again. So it's at xoxofest.com, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting because that's where Justin and I met. So if anyone's interested in going into something like that, it's really a great place to to meet some like-minded folks. Yeah, especially at the intersection of, you know, art, design, technology, um, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it'll be a pretty interesting year because of everything else that's happening in the world. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's probably going to be more of a, a large group therapy session. <laughs> like I feel like that's what it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, right now, all you can see if you go to xoxofest.com, you just see the old landing page. You have to go to 2018.xoxofest.com. And it's just a live video of this artist drawing some art. And then it just says September 6th to 9th, 2018. Super smart marketing, actually, because you're yeah, instantly yeah, kind of, right. you know, okay, there's an event coming up, but you don't know anything else. Sign up to get notified. It's interesting because there's this real person that's like making this art as you watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Cool. Maybe we'll uh, do a, maybe we'll, yeah, maybe we'll rec- record a show there together. Yeah, that would be awesome. In person. <laughs> um, so if you want all the links for the show, by the way, you've got to go to sas.transistor.fm. And what else do we want to say? Oh, we just wanted to say thanks to all the folks that have signed up early and tried it out, who have given us feedback, who have let us know about bugs, who have been really patient, um, who have really kind of risked, taken a risk in you know signing up for an account and hosting a show with us. Uh, some people have created their first podcast ever, and you know, and that's is as lo-fi as you know, speaking into their iPhone and publishing it, all the way up to you know, people that have established shows that have imported their podcast and you know have thousands of listeners and are really trusting us with uh, with everything, you know, hosting it and delivering it. So, yeah, we just want to say thanks yeah. and. Um, Keep the feedback coming. All right, so let's get into this week's topic. Uh, you you suggested this one, and I think it's so it's such a good one to to think about and talk about the fears you have when you launch a new company. So we're we're gonna get vulnerable here, um, John. Maybe why don't you start? What what are some things that you're maybe scared of right now that you're thinking about? The things that keep you up at night. As we're, uh, you know, four or five months into this. Yeah. Um, mine are a combination of, let's, I guess, business and, and technical. Uh, I'm on that end mm. of things. Uh, you know, things like, is this thing going to be able to handle traffic? Because we have, you know, one, at least one pretty popular podcast that um, releases an episode every morning. And most, you know, pod catchers will download that at the same yeah. time across, you know, however many thousands of devices, um, you know, am I, am I building this thing correctly in a way that can scale, that can, that's going to make sense when I look at the code again in a month? Mm -hmm. Um, are we building the right tools for people, uh, in the, in the interface and, you know, is it usable enough? Is it, is it super confusing for people? Yeah. Um, are they going to like, are they going to end up putting in all their information for their show? And it's just like 
incorrect or gets garbled or something happens or like a feed gets messed up and won't be imported to iTunes. Mm-hmm. I don't think about all this stuff at the same time because I'd probably go <laughs> insane. But uh, yeah, from a technical aspect, it, it's that type of, of like, I don't know, trying to prepare for the unexpected, yeah. right? I mean, because it's just it's just you and I and it's just me on the technical end. And like um, if something breaks, I got to mm-hmm. fix it. Uh, if something happens in the middle of the night, you know, I'll be asleep. Um, if I want to go on vacation, it's like, well, I got to bring a laptop now just in case, (laughs) uh, you know, might have to get like a really small MacBook or something for that light one. Um, it's stuff. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's so funny because when I wrote, I wrote this blog post about why I'm building a SaaS in 2018. And some folks pointed out that I'd written kind of a, an, an incendiary uh, blog post about um, uh, SaaS companies a couple years earlier. I think it was SaaS <laughs> is ready for disruption or something like that. <laughs> and I kind of referred back to this conversation I had with Nathan Barry, where I asked him, you know, why are you switching from selling, you know, online courses, which he'd been doing, to building ConvertKit? And, you know, I was just kind of boggled by it because I, I was, I had come from the opposite side. I had been working for SaaS companies and I was looking kind of longingly at Nathan's world where all he had to do was, you know, upload his course materials to a provider and he didn't have to think about any of the infrastructure. Yeah. You know, like if his, if his host went down for an hour, nobody was complaining or not that many people were complaining. Uptime for him wasn't even an issue. Right. All those issues that you have to think about when you're building a SaaS. And it is, there is this added layer of stress, uh, especially for you, isn't there? Yeah, there is for sure. I mean, it's, I've been doing things like this or trying to, or been working with people in SaaS for a while and like it's certainly gotten easier over the years and there's more tools and you know you can get uh there's like tools to watch your your apps and your technology to see if it's down it'll notify you and and stuff like that and like you know using whatever the cloud if you want to call it um having multiple servers that can just be spun up and if one breaks it's not a big Mm -hmm. deal but um yeah you kind of want to build things in a way that um there's some sort of like failover or like it's, it's, there's some sort of fail safe, right? If like one thing breaks, something else is going to work in its yeah. place. But yeah, it's stuff like that. I mean, and it's, um, yeah, luckily I haven't had too many of those bad things happen over the years. Yeah. But when, when they do, you, you, you hear about it immediately and it's like, Oh God, I have to fix this. You're like, I'm at dinner and yeah, I have to fix it. Uh, I have, I have some friends that, that, built an online game a few years ago and it was just two of them. It was like an iPhone massively multiplayer game. Um, and they were working together. They, they, for a while there, like things were in a sort of a tricky spot and like things were crashing for no reason. And, um, they would like to go out and have dinner and drinks and stuff, but they, they basically made a rule that like, if one of them goes out like for the night to go whatever on a date or, something the other person has to wow it it was like they they couldn't both be out drinking unless they were together man 
So, so the rule is never drink together. Yeah. You're allowed to drink alone. Well, no, you can drink together. You can drink together. You can't drink on the same night if you're not together. <laughs> In case you're not near a laptop or something, right, to fix it. So. Oh, man. It just, it just shows you how, like, building software, especially software as a service, where you have to have servers and they have to be up and, you know, there's... It has gotten a lot better, uh, but you know, I rem- both software as a service companies I've worked for, and even the companies I've consulted for, there's just always that one person that's kind of responsible, and they it's almost like they have to be always on notice. So you've always got this thing in the back of your mind of yeah, okay, and you know the way we used to share that at these other companies is you know, we'd all get notified. So whoever woke up from the notification would, you know, get to it right away. But eventually you've got to contact that one person that can fix it. And they're just under a lot of pressure to, okay, I got to fix it. You know, and I think that is the downside to SaaS is yeah, there's just kind of this cognitive load of we've got to take care of this infrastructure and make sure that it's working because at the end of the day, no one really cares about us and our problems. Our customers just want us to, you know, serve the podcast website, serve the podcast feed, make sure the episodes download fast, make sure it plays in every single podcatcher. Yeah. And if we can't deliver that, they don't. They don't care. They don't care that we wanted to go out for dinner right. or, you know, that yeah. we got woken up at three in the morning. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember from, uh, one one past thing that happened um, in a previous company was was kind of unavoidable, but there's no real way to plan for it. It was like the web host we were using, their whole like one of their data centers just got like attacked by some massive oh, yeah. denial of service attack, and the, all the DNS was screwed up. Like you just couldn't. You just had to wait for them yeah. to fix it. And there's like, we're like, you know, you could say you're sorry, but in the end of the day, like the customer doesn't care. They're like, why didn't you have a backup plan? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. DNS has become yeah. a new one. If you're technically inclined, you know that these uh, denial of service attacks on DNS is kind of like the new favorite. And if you don't have a way of, so now what p- folks are trying to do is figure out switchovers so they can, you know, they can, if, if that does get attacked, you can switch it over right away. Um, but it's tricky because there's a lot of factors. And again, the customer doesn't care. They're just like, okay, that's fine. But the the truth is I can't access your app. And so it, right. it it's almost the, the as a service part really comes into play here. Uh, I remember this old interview with Addy Pinar, um, I think I always say his name wrong, by the way, but he was one of the original founders of WooThemes. And he had this quote from years ago where he said, you know, let's be honest, folks. A big part of what people are paying for with the software as a service part is the customer support. It's the service part. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if if Microsoft, like in the old days, if Microsoft Word stopped working, you would never call Microsoft, right? You you would call that that person that you know that was into computer stuff. You would call your local, you know, computer technician or something 
or if you're in a big company, you would call IT. But with SaaS, yeah, it's us. They're contacting us. They're like, we're paying you monthly. Yeah. And they might be contacting us at four in the morning because they're, you know, in England. That's right. It's interesting because I think some of this brings up like the you have the fear. And then there's, you know, the, na- the next natural question is, OK, so how could we deal with that? And, you know, one of the ways we could deal with that is we could hire more people. But at this point, we just can't do that. <laughs> when you're bootstrapping, you right. don't have money yeah. to hire other people. And so there's this gap when you're starting out, you're like, you know, rolling this big uh, snowball, <clears throat> snowball or rock up the hill. And, you know, you're just like, okay, I hope we can get to the top. Cause we know once we get to the top, it'll, right. you know, and there's, as soon as you have money that solves some of your problems, right? You can, you can hire people, et cetera. But uh-huh. yeah, we're just kind of waiting, aren't we? We are. Yeah. Still pushing that rock up the hill. Other than that, I mean, aside from the technical stuff, uh, it's just sort of the, you know, personal side of things. Do I have enough time to build this thing in, you know, because I'm really excited about it and I just, I want to work on it a lot. Um, but I also have a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So this ends up, you know, Transistor ends up being sort of like nights and weekends. Yeah. Um, or like days, days off I take off from work or something like that. And, you know, do I have enough time to build this thing appropriately? Can I set enough, so I, can I set aside enough large blocks of time to like, really dig into it because it's hard to work on it like an hour at a time yeah um and you know doing that without overworking to the point where i'm burning out um and like you know harming personal relationships i have or ignoring people or just gotta try to keep it balanced yeah um, yeah that's definitely that's a huge fear for me too especially i think now that we've seen like just on Twitter the other day, I saw this other founder I've talked to a bunch of times and uh, he had a co-founder as well. And he said, you know, we've invested so much in this idea and we were really working hard on it. And, and they were doing a podcast about it. They were, you know, they're being really transparent about it. And uh, they said, you know what, we're burning out and we're running out of money and we need to step away from this. And it that's it's so hard when you're building something from scratch and you're just getting going and you know on one hand you've got competitors that have been around longer so they're yeah you know they're already they've got a machine they've got a team they're they're they've already got everything they've got the the name in the space like they're so far ahead of us and then you've got these funded companies that are also coming along and you're just like oh man how are we ever going to get everything done with just two people yeah, without killing ourselves, without, you know, without having all this pressure crush us and figuring that out, I think is, is challenging. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you can look at competitors as obviously inspiration for, for new ideas, not, not to like pull ideas from them, but, you know, see what they're doing wrong and try to try to correct some of that stuff. But, it's like you said, it's, it's easy to be overwhelmed by that and say, uh, we're new in the space and it's all these people who are established. Mm -hmm. But I think at some point you just sort of have to like force yourself to ignore that and, um, just build, just build the best thing you can and, um, not really compare yourself 
too much to those. Yeah. And it's funny because we keep kind of, we keep drifting into antidotes to fear here, but I think that is one is like one antidote to fear. Like if you fear your, your competition, for example, just don't focus on your competition, focus on your customers. Yeah. And I'm even thinking about all, all the BS I post in Slack for us, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. I discover stuff, but there's so much of, you know, Oh, a competitor just released this or yeah, it, it's not actually helpful because that's not coming from our customers. They're not asking for that stuff. That's just stuff our competitors are putting out. No. And maybe that's not right for our customers. Maybe our customers don't care about that. Um, maybe their customers don't even care about that. We don't even know. And right. so I think yeah. that's one good antidote Antidote is just staying really close to your customer. It's also a good antidote to, I think, the fear we have. Because so much of the fear is letting customers down. You know, oh, what if our servers crash? What if? But if we're in close relationship with our customers and, you know, we're talking to them as much as we can, we know they know that we're open to their feedback. They can, we have a little communication widget right on the website. Uh, by the way, you can do that, transistor.fm. If you go to the, the website in the lower right hand corner, there's a little widget you can use to contact us. We're trying to get better at <laughs> answering those right away. But, you know, that's the antidote is that if you have a good relationship with somebody, you can say, hey, you know what? Sorry, we messed up here. We're, this is what we're doing to fix it. And there's a lot more understanding there than, and a lot less fear than, oh my God, we've got hundreds of customers and they don't even know my name and they don't care, you know? Yeah, I really enjoyed actually doing the customer support in, in previous um, SaaS uh you know, ventures I was, mm-hmm. I was in because it was, again, a small company and I was building the thing, but also doing customer support. And I actually, I really enjoyed talking to customers and sort of like hearing from them and like fixing their problems and seeing how, how happy it made mm-hmm. them, like having them suggest something new and being able to maybe roll it out in the same day and be like, yeah. here you go. Yeah. Um, it's, cool. it's such a good feeling actually being connected. Yeah. There's nothing, there's really nothing like it. Yeah. I think that's for me, for the, in terms of business fears, my biggest fear, and I think a lot of product people have this, is am I building, are we building the right thing? And that's not just like, are we building the right podcast hosting application? But are we just, are we building the right thing at all? Like, is pod, a podcast host the, the right thing at all? Right. Maybe it'll turn into something else. I have no idea. But that's certainly happened a lot in the past. Yeah. And I think I think about this a lot because like a lot of other folks, I've launched things that haven't worked. And uh, especially early on when I was just starting to build things and I was really emotionally invested, if they didn't work out, I would just be, you know, oh, uh, devastated because it. Yeah. If, can you relate to that too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're putting, you know, a part of yourself in the thing you're building and it's like a personal failure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I, yeah, I've built a couple small things by myself and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like people are going to spread it around. They're going to buy stuff. It's going to be great. And like one coworker <laughs> bought something and that was it ever. <laughs> it was like this tool that you could hook up your Instagram account to and like download these canvas versions of your photos that are like, you could mess around with it and like pixelate it and stuff. It was pretty cool, but 
Yeah. I used it. There's yeah. No market. <laughs> yeah. And, and especially when you're, you really, this is where there's like this tension in when you're building a company, there's this tension between what I want and hope for and what the market wants and hopes for. And so on one side, it's like, why are we doing this? Well, you and I want a better life. You, we want we want to own our own thing. We yeah. want to run our own business. We want to earn revenue from it. We want, you know, all of those things that are very us focused. And if those didn't exist, we probably wouldn't be doing this, right? There's there's this personal motivation. But on the other side, you almost have to like start with that. Okay, what motivates you? Why are you doing this? Why, you know, why podcasting? Why is it why is it better than anything else? But then you almost have to set that aside and go, okay, okay, we're done that. Now, what, how are we actually making the customer's life better? Do they care? Do they want this? Mm-hmm. You know, is this product validated? How do we validate this, this idea? How do we validate this market? Yeah, that is such a tricky piece because you almost have to ignore your feelings and just be like, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna push the side of me over there, and I'm just going to stay completely focused on other people. What do they want? What do they need? What do they really, you know, what will really make their life better? How can I make this easier? Uh, you know, do I, you know, even thinking like we're setting people on this treadmill of creating podcast episodes. How are they going to maintain that? Oh, like you you can start to feel some of the the pressure, right? It's it's a really tricky balance because at the end of the day, I just want people to like my stuff and pay for it. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I guess the validation there is if people are paying for it, then yes. they're happy enough with it to keep paying. Yeah. Uh there's certainly nothing keeping them. We're not, we're not locking them into our platform by any mm-hmm. means. Um Yeah. I've actually I've actually started um, in my little solopreneur business. I, I think I might actually release this as a thing. But for you and I, I was thinking, okay, I've been, you know, I've been working on SaaS businesses forever, and I have this loose framework of, you know, how do you choose a market? How do you validate that market? How do you determine what people actually want? How do you validate that? How do you test it? And so I've started writing this checklist, and I'm going to keep working on it. And I'm actually going to try to use it on transistor as, and that's kind of going to be my antidote is if I have a, a framework to go through and go, okay, you know, uh, the first question is, you know, that stuff I talked about, like, what do we care about? What do, why are we doing this? But then it's like, okay, who are we serving? What do they really want? What do they really need? And there's these check marks like, okay, I've had one conversation with a customer. Okay, now I've had two customer development conversations. Okay, now John had one. Okay, now John had two. Okay, we're going to keep building these. And then we form a hypothesis, which is, you know, people want this. And then we're going to build it. And then we're going to see, okay, do they pay once? Perfect. Okay, that's some initial validation. Do they pay again? Yeah. Okay, that's the next step, you know, and all of these elements (laughs) Uh, I think that's that that makes me feel better anyway, when I have kind of an idea of what are we tracking? What's really important? Yes, we want this to succeed. Yes, we have egos and we don't want our egos to get bruised. 
right? And there's a there's always actually let's talk a little bit about the ego. I don't know how important this is to you. It'd be interesting for, but there's always a like you said when you're building something, there's a little piece of you that you're putting out. Like when you were putting that Instagram thing out, you're kind of saying, okay, I built this. Yeah. Please like it. You know, like does anybody like it? Yeah. All right. And when people didn't respond, how did it make you feel? Uh, it made me. F- yeah. I mean, it was disappointing. It was. You know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of things while building it. Yeah, it was it was disappointing. It like sort of took the steam out of it. Um, and I'm not really like a marketing guy. So I was like, I don't really know. I don't know what to do here. Yeah. So I just kind of let it let it sit. And then you just sort of forget about it over time. And it's like, yeah, yeah right. You know, you know, the other piece that bugs me is, is, you know, you, how you share things with people like you share it with your significant other, you share it with your mom and dad, you know, mom and dad come over for Thanksgiving and they go, so John, so Justin, yeah, we, we have different parents. I'm just using this as an example, <laughs> but they're like, you know, what are you doing right now? And you go, oh, well, I'm really excited about this thing. I'm building this thing called Transistor. It's with my buddy, John, and we think it's going to be great. And you know, you set that out into the world, even if it's just with your inner circle. And then, you know, next Thanksgiving, they come again, they go, so how is that thing going? And you go, oh, well, yeah. it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. And one person paid. Yeah. And then it would. And, and there's a little bit of your ego that's kind of like, ah, oh, I got it. You know, they were so excited and yeah, th- they've got expectations now, even, you know, and then if we expand that out and it's like people on Twitter, people on, you know, you keep going and you're like, ah, cause you have to tell people you're doing it. No, the, the other tricky part of the other fear is like, at what point do you tell people? Mm. And is it, is it too soon? Yeah. Is it like, Hey, we're going to announce this thing and then it's not even ready yeah. for people to use. Or it's like, people are excited about it. And then they sign up and they're like, wow, this is underwhelming. Like it's not really yeah. There's so much missing that I can't use it yet. Yeah. Which is good feedback, but it's like, yeah, you can't wait till the thing's done and perfect because it's never going to be. So you just have to like, yeah, let it yeah, out the door. Exactly. <laughs> it's, this is a bad analogy. I, I apologize in advance, but maybe it's a little bit like having a baby, <laughs> you know, like you're always wondering, like, when do we tell people? When is, when is, is it time yet? Because there's so many things that can go wrong in a pregnancy. Yeah. Uh, miscarriage is way more common than people think. And so you're always kind of like, ah, do we tell people now? Okay. And then you tell people and then it's almost like every fear you have as a new parent where you're, you're like, is this baby going to be healthy? Is this pregnancy going to go well? That is now all out in the public. Like there's this this tension of, oh, I hope mm-hmm. this goes okay. And I mean, actually, now that I think about it in that way, it almost makes me feel better about starting a company because <laughs> it doesn't seem, you know, it's not the stakes aren't as high, right? With uh, when you're right. I mean, that's the thing, like. At the end of the day, I, I always say, like, nobody's going to die. Yeah. We could be doing a different startup where it's like a medical startup or yeah. something like that. But at the end of the day, people aren't going to get their audio. Yeah. And that's it. It's just fine. I mean, it sucks. I don't want that to happen. Yeah. But like, yeah. We, we, right. Sorry. We didn't deliver <laughs> audio to your ear holes. Uh, that, does, that really seems like a first world problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Maybe that's the other antidote there is is you put things in context. Like, okay, you're you're scared of this, but what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah, and you're scared and you're stressed and you're spending a lot of time on it and you're like staying up late and, and you're like worrying about it and you're working, you know, long hours and you don't sleep enough mm-hmm. and then you kind of have to step back and be like, I'm actually like hurting myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this thing is, is a internet company. Yeah. Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be physically harming myself. Uh, yeah. I think that's one of our, our, we, we were talking about, you know, writing, um, some kind of value stuff like company value stuff now while we're just two people. And I, one of the values that seems to be emerging, even as we're doing these shows is we really value human beings over technology. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Especially the more, yeah, the more I use technology and the more it becomes part of our lives, it's takes over some people's lives and it becomes a way to connect with people, but certainly get, Yeah. But even what you just said, like, okay, when you've got values like that, when you're like, okay, if this doesn't work, it's just a piece of internet technology. Like if, if all of the electricity in the world kind of magically got removed and nobody, we couldn't use any of this stuff again, the world would keep going. And you know, the, the, the earth isn't going to stop because human beings can't use tech. Right, right. Like, right. The grass is going to keep growing. The sun's going to keep shining. Like, there's some things that are more important, I guess. Life continues, and tech sure is cool, and tech can be helpful, and tech can be useful. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, humans are more important than the technology. And so, if this doesn't work out, okay. So we we put some zeros and ones up on on the internet. And those zeros and ones didn't produce the result we wanted. Yeah. Oh, well, our hearts are still beating. We can still have relationships. We can still have adventures. We can still, you know, enjoy good food. Like there's all these things that are in, in red, in contrast are way more important than us, you know, sending sound waves over the internet. And we think sending sound waves is important. We think it's worth doing. But I like that. I think, you know, at the, if, if this did fail and there's st- lots of startups fail, I can go, okay, well, there we go. A bunch of zeros and ones on the internet didn't give us the result we wanted. Oh, well, you know, let, let's, let's keep going. Cool. Uh, anything else we should talk about? That was pretty good. That was good. Yeah, that was pretty therapeutic. It was really therapeutic, actually. <laughs> it's good to get that out there. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. I mean, there's, I think there's lots of other fears. Actually, this would be a good time for us to ask you, the listener, if what kind of fears you have around building and launching things, uh, making things, putting things out into the universe and them being judged and used and all that stuff. You can get us on Twitter at Transistor FM. We've heard from some of you already. Uh, one, one person actually found uh, Castle Grayskull on eBay and sent it to us. That was really fun. Uh, so yeah, uh, get us on Twitter, uh, let us know, Hey, what are, what are your fears? What are the things you're thinking about? You can also email us shows at transistor.fm. And if you want to say, you know, Hey, I was listening to your episode and I'm building something. This is what I'm building. This is my fear. Uh, 
if you have an audio clip you want to record and send it to us, we would love to play that in the show. So if, if there's something, you know, you want to share uh, via audio, just attach that to uh, an email and send it to us. We're going to get a better system for that soon. Uh, you can also DM us on Instagram. There were transistor.fm. And you can message John on Twitter. What's your, wh- who are you on Twitter? Uh, John Buda, J-O-N-B-U-D-A. And I'm M-I Justin, uh, the letter M, the letter I, Justin. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next episode. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.